Life is complicated. There is the law and there is reality. Welcome to Law and Reality, sponsored by Thav Gross. Now, here's your host, Ken Gross. Welcome to this segment of Law and Reality. Today's topic is what happens after the holidays. Jenny Lingle. Hi, Ken. Good to be here today. Brian Small. Wonderful to be here. Is the, is the question, what happens after the holidays, does that include indigestion or heartburn? Yes. Okay. Just Jeffrey Kirshner, nice to see you. Nice to see you. I'm uh, being more consistent here and already thinking about the weight loss I need after the holiday weight gain. Ah. Yeah, well, actually, years ago we did it. Uh, I remember doing a, a radio show and covered actually that topic after the holidays and did the, the various different uh, – well, we did resolutions with weight gain, weight loss, and everything else. If you could be a gym owner, your best six weeks of your existence are coming up on an annual basis. Well, I always laugh at the gym is that you, we, we see the – we call them the resoluters. Right after New Year's, all of a sudden, the, ellip, uh, the cardio equipment, you walk into the health club the first couple of days, and it's, hard, it's the only time in the year that you sometimes have to wait or you're concerned, am I going to be able to find a machine to get on? And then after, by mid-February, most of them are all gone, and it's back to the norm. Those people keep the rates low for membership dues for everybody else who uses the club on a regular basis. That's so they're the very, reason why I work out at home. Right. So they're, they're very important. They're very critically important people to the average person who takes advantage of going to the health club every day. They keep their rates down. Okay, so, but what I wanted to talk about more was credit card debt and budgeting as to what happens after the holidays. Here's the scenario. Holidays, feeling good, I lost control of the budget with holiday spirit. My credit card debt on November 1, 2018 was 25000 My credit card debt on January 1, 2019 is 50000 I'd like to be a relative that went to that party. We had a good time. It all went on the, it all went on the plastic. But here's, now I'm into reality check. Now, let's assume, I'm using me just as a case study, assume I'm making $90,000 a year. When I had $25,000 of credit card debt, I was paying 20% interest, $5,000 in interest a year. Now that I'm at $50,000 of credit card debt, I'm paying $10,000 in interest. My minimum payments on $25,000 were a lot. It was $625 a month. But now it's twelve fifty a month. Remember, your minimum payment is typically two and a half percent of the balance on the card. Did you put in a pool? I'm just wondering. No, but I, you know, we, we, we you know, we, we went to we went to Disneyland. Ah. That you know that was ten right there. And apparently, you went to the casino on top of it. No, no casino. No, because no, he usually wins. So. Ah. Never mind. Of course, of course. <laughs> we have to do a show on the casino, by the way, and, and, and eliminating that, that, that debt because we, we haven't casino, done that in a long time. Casino, the source of all evil? We haven't done that in a long time. All right, now, another number I want to give you is the gross income you need to make those minimum monthly payments because you have to pay taxes on your income to have your net paycheck make the payment. On a $25,000 credit card bill, you have to make $781 a month, assuming you're in basically a 20% tax bracket. 
on 50,000, you have to make $1,562 a month. Annually, on the $50,000, that's $18,750. On $25,000 of credit card debt, it's $9,273. If you look at those as a percentage of gross income, now that I'm at $50,000 of credit card debt and I'm making $90,000 a year, I'm taking 21% of my gross income to make the minimum payments. Just paying interest, not even paying the principal. Well, actually, I'm making the minimum payment. So I'm actually paying a little bit more than the interest. You know, you get that 29 years on the card. But that's but the reality there is the balances never go down. Because whether I'm at the twenty whether at the fifty thousand or if I'm paying ten percent of my gross income at the twenty-five thousand, here's the scenario I was in in November, and here's the scenario I'm gonna be in even worse in January. When my bills come at the end of the month, I write out my checks. I write out payments. I leave myself a couple hundred dollars in the bank to the next paycheck. I go through that money usually the third day into the period. And then if I need to buy anything, I charge it because I don't have any, I don't have any available cash. So even when the credit card payments go down, the credit card balances go down a little bit, they nudge down, they jump right back up because you're still using the card. What do we call that, Brian? I'm sorry. We call that the credit card trap. We should put in. Some, I know there should be some, like some, some ominous music, music or something, right? Dun, dun, well, they can see dun. graphics. How about wait, radio? Wait. So never. Brian, mind. <laughs> let's try it again. Brian, what do we call that? Dun, 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 dun. The credit card trap. There we go. Okay. All right. So a voice made for radio. Right. So here's the whole thing. We're, we're being in jest, but it's the absolute reality. Most people that have credit card debt over twenty thousand dollars are already in the credit card trap. Well, they're not bringing the balances down because they're using their disposable income to service the interest in the minimum payments, and then they use the cards to cover the shortfall in their cash flow until their next paycheck. Yeah, they're stuck. They spend, they pay down, they spend, they pay down, they spend, they pay down. You can never get out of the cycle until you do something dramatic. And those dramatic opportunities, and they are truly to opportunities get to get rid of the debt, can include... Such things as debt resolution, bankruptcy, or budget management. So the, the, there are there are ways to solve the problem for everyone. It's uh, what, uh, what uh, solution works for you is the question that we analyze uh, when you come in. And I, I, I want to look to the solutions today, r right now, but I want to hit two points first before they do it. Number one is, let's assume, just like you said, I'm able to get rid of the $25,000 worth of debt or the $50,000 worth of debt using debt resolution bankruptcy, however I do it. If I'm able to get rid of that debt and instead take the money that I was paying to the credit card companies, the $781 on the $25,000 or the $1,562 on the $50,000 of debt, and I put that into savings at 5% interest a year, I made that into my 401k contribution, what would that grow to? In 10 years, on $25,000, that would grow to $121,277. In 20 years, that's $321,000. On the 50000 debt, where I was paying fifteen sixty two dollars a month, if I put that away for 10 years at 5%, I have 242000 
And in 20 years, I have 642000 and, and take it a little more generally. Look at no matter where what position you're in. If you were paying $360 a month on your minimum credit card payments and you could figure out how to save that, you would have $180,000 after 20 years. Anything that you save is better than having nothing, which you will have if you continue to be in the credit card track. And just go back to the three-point retirement plan. You'll see that's a theme that I keep going back to and revisiting from show to show. The goal is at retirement, no debt, own the house free and clear, and have some savings. Getting rid of the credit card debt at an earlier stage and saving that money is the key to saving money. Now, before go ahead, Jeff. I was just going to ask uh, for Brian: uh, Is there a better time of year to start doing these type of things? Is it more advantageous to do it in certain months or certain seasons? Tomorrow. Tomorrow. No, that's the tomorrow. best time of year. Today. Right. Yesterday was the better day to start doing these things. But the the key is is there's never no time like the present. What you've done in the past is is in the past. You can't. You can't undo it. If you knew how to unwind what you did to put yourself in the miserable debt position you're in in the first place, you wouldn't put yourself in the position. Let me answer it this way, Jeff. If $781 is the monthly payment that you're paying on the credit card debt, if you're thinking about getting rid of the credit card debt and you go and next month you pay them $781 rather than get rid of the card, what have you done? You've wasted seven hundred eighty-one dollars. If you get rid of the debt, then that seven eighty-one starts going to savings sooner. So the long delaying is the worst thing. Imagine, you got to bite the bullet and take action. Seven hundred and eighty-one one-dollar bills and standing over your Burning toilet. Them. Now I stand over your toilet and flush them one at a time. You by the time if you if you even flush one, you've made a mistake. But the reality is is that. Flushing them down the toilet. You have is, a two hundred dollar water bill yeah, also. <laughs> yeah. It's just wasting it shows you, you the incredible water. waste. It shows you the incredible waste that that is. But when you just And also write be it, sure and have a plunger. When you <laughs> seriously. But when you when you just pay it out, you don't think about it as wasting money, but it's wasting money. So let me ask you the, the next question. Sooner absolutely, because every every point that you delay and you continue to service the debt, you're wasting your money. What about my credit score, Brian? Well, what about yeah, it? Yeah, you know, if I do what you're saying, my credit score is going to isn't it going to hurt? Is it going to affect my credit score? Yes. Oh my God, I, I can't have that. Too bad. Guess what? If you look at the fact that if you draw a line in the sand and you could get out of debt, whether it's through debt resolution or bankruptcy, or any way that you you found a bag of money that fell off the back of a truck, whatever you did to get out of debt, if you hurt your credit score in the interim to do. What is the result? The end result is you're out of debt. What are you then accomplishing? You're saving money. In the period of time that all this happens, your credit score may take a hit. And then it will heal. Yeah. It will come back. Best example I have is I did a bankruptcy for someone about six years ago, and their credit score was 409. After the bankruptcy... No, that's Formula 409. Yeah, that's, I understand. That's, that's, that's cleaner. No, no, no. That was their credit score. Now, in 26 years of doing this, I haven't seen a credit score that low before or since. His was 409. Four and a half years later, it was 749. Do you think the 409 was still sticking there going, hey, I, I'm, I've got to bother you some more? No, 749. He bought a house, bought a car. Was back in life. They they come they they do recover because your credit score is, 
is your pay history, your total amount of debt, and your available credit. When you get rid of that total debt and we resolve the debt, that helps the credit score. It goes down in the short term because your pay history takes the hit. But they do recover. What I always say is you don't want this. You don't want to die in poverty, homeless, and on your tombstone it says, but I had a 720 credit score my entire life. That's not what you want as your epitaph. But I think is that I think, the right word? I well, think, if if you didn't have any if you didn't have any assets, your your estate couldn't afford the tombstone anyway. So. And I and I think you really need good to good point. It could be penned in with a with a stick. Yeah, like a little styrofoam cup right. and a mar- and I a think marker. Real, real briefly, Brian, explain what a credit score is typically used for and why it's not so relevant that your credit score takes a hit. Well, that's a good question. And reality, what do you need a credit score for? Buying a house. Are you buying a house? Do you already own a house? If you yes. already own a house and you've already got a mortgage, well, the odds are that you don't need another house and another mortgage at this very minute. Two, credit scores are utilized for automobile purchases. But the funny thing is, is that you can have a terrible credit score, but if you've maintained your auto payment on a regular basis, they use a different metrics than just your standard FICO score. Just like the mortgage companies uses different metrics than your standard FICO score to get you approved for car buying. So when you have no debt, in fact, as as quickly as the day after a bankruptcy is over for some of my clients, they've been able to walk into the dealership and walk out with a brand new car, financing a brand new car. So your credit score, what do you need it for? I don't know. I mean, really, you if need it for well, very but, few but, big purchases. Other than that, on your day-to-day life, you don't need a credit but, score. But typically, people who are struggling with their credit score, typically aren't they the people that really aren't in a position to buy a house or a car anyway? That is a true statement. So at least if you could eliminate your debt and get yourself to pair where if you're you already struggling with your credit score, that means you're carrying too much debt and you're not making your payments on time anyway. So in that situation, the best, debt. the best way to sol- solve the problem is get rid of the debt. That will actually improve your credit score because then you won't have payments that you're missing because you won't have any payments that you are obligated to make. And so, ideally, uh, it will increase your disposable income right. as well. So Brian, but, after you've gone through and, and you've helped resolve their debt, what do you do? Because a lot of people say they can't see what they're going to do differently, <laughs> that they're going to continue to put themselves in the same situation. Yeah, I, w- I want to focus not, I'm going to say that, Jay, not on, we've already eliminated the debt. You did debt resolution, you did Chapter 7, you did Chapter 13, things that we've talked about on other shows. What do we do now to keep ourselves going forward and saving that money? Budget management. I mean, what do you, now, when I hear the word budget management, I think of belt tightening. All right, so everybody knows what belt tightening is, right? Belt tightening is denying yourself some expense that you normally make so that you can save up money to accomplish a specific goal. My radiator's out. My furnace is out. I need to save money so I can fix my furnace of my house. And so you deny yourself. You don't go out to eat. You don't, well, let me but you spend you, less well, on the groceries. Let me give you a current analogy in my house that might apply to that and might not. You this I got to hear. Okay. I'm doing some home improvements right now. And I'm trying to cover those expenses as much as I can out of current income rather than tapping into any savings. So- 
In order to accomplish that, I've decided to tighten my belt and cut back on some of the discretionary money my wife likes to spend on the grandchildren and on my kids who are grown adults who should be paying their own way anyway. Do you hear that, that, Bonnie, Amy, Jenny? It's all you. Is that belt tightening? Because here's what the problem is. is. The problem with it is, is after I'm done with that belt tightening, I don't want to go back to that old way, so I don't think it fits the definition. No, actually, it's not belt tightening. It is smart budget management. Budget management effectively is the art of eliminating waste in your budget while still getting and improving the amount of satisfaction you get out of spending. So you would say that's waste in my budget? By send, by, uh, my, my wife would disagree. I know your wife would disagree. but Because she gets enjoyment out of that. I understand. And if you're in a position where you're not in debt and you're saving enough money for your future, then your discretionary income that you spend, you have the ability to establish where you're going to spend it. You, it the, the key to budget management is establishing, one, what is the money that's being wasted in the budget? Two, how do we turn that wasted money into some sort of savings? Is give me, it? Give me an example. Coffee. Okay. Wait, wait. When you say coffee, are you referring to the coffee story that you often tell at our seminars? I am to referring to the coffee story because it's real. We have a problem here. We don't have enough time for the whole story. We have about 11 minutes left with the show. We have to do announcements as well. And your coffee right. story sometimes is longer than a football game. So, so here's the gist of it. Mrs. Smith comes in to see but me. But I she's, love the story. She's making $200,000 a year. So she's got good income. And she, we sit down and we start to explore her spending. And I see this recurring charge on her credit, uh, on her, in her bank account every day, $4.29. And I say to her, oh, my goodness, you go to Starbucks every single day, seven days a week. She goes, yeah, I love Starbucks coffee. I, I said, do too. I said, well, here's your solution. Here's one little solution that we can have for you. She said, what's that? I go, make your coffee at home. You know what she said to me? It doesn't taste as good, it Brian. It doesn't taste the same. So You know how I know that? Because you've heard the story before. Oh, 1,400 times. Go so, ahead. So anyway, what I had Mrs. Smith do was go out. And instead of paying me at that very minute what she owed me, which was about $800, I had her go out and buy an $800 coffee machine. Really? Yeah. A Delonghi. It, it, it practically wipe, washes the windows and grinds the beans and does everything for you. I have a Delonghi. Is that and, the same and, thing? Probably. Okay. And I, and I, except I'm sure you didn't spend $800 on your no. coffee machine. But I told her there was one caveat. She could not go to Starbucks for 30 days. She, she, she agreed to this? She did agree. And I told her if I didn't solve her problem, she wouldn't have to pay me. So what happened? At the end of 30 days, I called Mrs. Smith. And I said, Mrs. Smith, how's that coffee out of that wonderful coffee machine? Can I, can I do it? Sure. Yeah. I'm Mrs. Smith. Brian, that is the greatest coffee I've ever tasted. And you know what? I told her, I said, we solved your problem. And she said, how did we solve the problem? How did we solve the problem? And here's the reality. His terrible voice. She was spending about $135 a month at Starbucks, which is a ridiculous amount of money if you think about it. Over the month, for sure. Okay, it's like 15 dollars it's coffee. But, and it's $1,500 a year. It's money that you spend to borrow the liquid that you're drinking. I'm just going to point that out. Anyway, 
So she has her coffee, she enjoys her machine, and she is only spending $20 a for, month for beans. on beans, saving $110 a month. Every month for the rest of her life because- As long as the machine works. As long, yes, as long as she doesn't continue to go to Starbucks. The point is, is that- So what, in seven months you paid for the coffee machine. Yeah, and you know, what did we do? We didn't deny her anything. What's belt tightening? Denying yourself something. What's budget management? The art of determining the waste in your budget, improving your spending satisfaction, and getting you the same result without wait, without throwing the money down the toilet. That's exactly what happened with Mrs. Smith, and then she paid our bill. So, let me give you. I have, I have my own budget management story that I like to tell, and it it vacillates and it depends on how the lions are and, doing. And that only took three and you a half did, minutes. You did, you did a great job. I always have liked to shop on the weekend, maybe go to the mall, and particularly it would happen to me on Sunday afternoon if the Lions were playing poorly on a football game and I would get disgusted and didn't want to watch. So, so every, 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 every Sunday of the entire well, football season. Well, there's always, I mean, we do run in streaks where things go good and we run in streaks where we run in long streaks where things are not going well. Seems as though I'm 64 years old and the last time they won was when I was one. I think was uh, where they went. I think it was 1956. Right. Okay. All right. So I was two. All right. So at that point, so what I'll do is I would go to the mall, and in those days, like in, in my 40s, I was carrying a lot of credit card debt. I made the same classic mistakes that we've talked about on the show. I was carrying a lot of credit card debt. I'd see a pair of jeans or a sweater or something that I wanted. No big deal. I'd throw the credit card down. I'd buy it, and I'd come home. Didn't matter if the jeans were 100 bucks, 125 bucks, because it wasn't impacting my payments. I was paying. I thought I was doing the right thing. I was paying more than my minimum monthly payments every month, so I figured that somewhere along the way the balances would go down, but the balances were always staying the same or going up a little bit. But I wasn't thinking about that, and I wasn't thinking about all the money I was wasting on interest. I was just buying the jeans. I finally got smart and realized I had to get rid of this credit card debt, and I took the right steps, and I got rid of all of it. And I made a vow that I would never pay interest again, which I have stuck to. But I still like to go to the mall on Sunday and sometimes shop, particularly when the Lions are not doing well. But I so still every Sunday. But I changed the pattern. And instead of, first of all, I go with cash from the ATM machine, so they're a bunch of 20s. And all of a sudden, parting with 100 or $200 for an item of clothing, you feel the pain out of the pocket because the wad of bills becomes very small very quickly. So all of a sudden, I became very conscious about what I was spending and what I was buying. And the other thing I realized is everything goes on sale. And... As a result of those two factors, I changed the mix. And my wife did the same thing. And it became, I still like to shop, but now I like to shop for the deal. I'll go there. I just, I, I, I'll get a cup of coffee. <laughs> but that's a whole different story with you. But I'll get a cup of coffee. I'll walk around. I'll see something that I like. And then I'll say, you know what? I'm going to watch that. I'll come back maybe in a month, two months towards the end of the season. And if it's on sale... Then I'll buy it. And if it's not on sale, something else will be. 
So I, I just want to really bring it back real quickly because we mentioned casinos at the beginning of this. That's precisely why casinos use chips and why the slot machines use electronic cards. Absolutely. Because you don't see the you don't, cash. You don't feel the same, cash. Same thing with credit cards. If you don't see the cash and you just give them plastic, no, nah, you'll pay it at some point. I'll give you a challenge out no, wait, there. But let, me, let me just finish the one, the, the, the one point. So the game that I play with my wife and I is – Look at the deal I got. So I'll find the sport coat. I'll buy the sport coat. I'll come home, and it was marked three ninety five, and I ended up paying with all the discounts and everything else sixty five bucks for it. I come home and I show it to my wife and say, "Guess how much I paid for this?" And she plays the same game. So that's the same thing. The satisfaction is now in getting the deal. I still go to the mall and spend the time, but I'm not throwing down the chips. I'm not throwing down the plastic, just like you said, and spending over that same five-month period 20 times the amount of money. Let me give you another budget management tip before we get to the announcements. This one's simply for grocery shopping. Most people in their household have a grocery budget that they plan on spending on a weekly basis, whether it's $75, $100, or $150 or more. What I want you to do is establish your budget and then go to the grocery store with only that much money in cash, period. If if your budget's $150, Go with a hundred dollar bill and a fifty dollar bill. Always take another fifty dollar bill if you if you if you have to because. But I guarantee you that when you get to the register, if you have spent a hundred and fifty four dollars, you won't break the last fifty. You will put the groceries some groceries back. If Using it's me, I'll, I'll 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 crunch the numbers as I put them into the cart because I'm not going to put something back when I'm at the register. But would you, you Jenny? Um, I. I probably wouldn't put something back. Jeff, would you put something back? Typically not. Would you, Brian? Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. 100%. (laughs) I I only shop with cash. Make make your final point. i got to do it now. Anyway, the the, the whole point I'm making is is that when it's real dollars, real dead presidents coming out of your pocket, it's a lot harder to do to break that last 50 than it is to go, oh, it's just $4 more, swipe. Swipe, swipe, insert pin number, whatever. When you're when you're paying with your debit card or your credit card, totally so, agree. Anyway, that's the tip of the day. All right, quick time for announcements. Want to remind our listeners: watch the TV version of On Reality every Sunday, eleven o'clock a.m. on TV Twenty. Also, sign up for our free monthly contest. Go to the website, lawnreality.com, pop in your email address on the homepage in the spot, and you're entered in. Every month we give away a $50 free uh, Visa gift card, a Lawn Reality hat, and a copy of my book, Dump Your Debt. We have two seminars coming up, Wednesday, December 12th, 6 to 7.30 p.m., Give a smart present to your family. Give them an estate plan. This is the estate plan under the tree present. It's a present to the whole family. It's not in replace of presents to your children. They're still going to want what they want. But your family deserves the right present. I hear there's a new Grinch movie out right now. Yeah, and everyone gives them the, the estate plan is the, is, is the, is the present. Yeah. There you go. Attendees get a $300 Gold certificate off the cost of an estate plan. We're going to walk through how to avoid probate. If you're in probate, how that works, the powers of attorney that you need, health, uh, living trust, uh, pour over will, all the required elements. Then on January 9th, we have a debt elimination seminar. It's time to eliminate the debt, how to preserve 
future income for you and your family. We're going to talk about how we use debt resolution to eliminate credit card debt. We're going to talk about when bankruptcy is the smarter alternative, Chapter 7 and Chapter 13. Jenny Lingle is going to do a special segment on resolving tax problems. Attendees get a free copy of my book, Dump Your Debt. Sign up for both seminars at thavgross.com, lawandreality.com, or call 888-235-HELP. Remember, you can always come into Thav Gross for a free consultation. If you've got a debt issue, a state planning issue, budget management issue with Brian, or you meet with Brian, tax problems with Jenny, workers' comp, social security disability with Jeff Kirshner, business matters with me, criminal law matters with Corey Silverstein, elder law issues with Pat Samasco, just go to the website, click on one of the links requesting a free consult, or just call the office 888-235-HELP. Our free consults are not meet and greets. We analyze the problem. We tell you exactly what we think you should do as the optimal way and the optimal solution, what it will cost, how long will it take, and what the steps are to make it happen. It's a very meaningful process. It's the first step that you have towards solving a problem that needs to be solved. Also, go to the website for our free reports. We have a new report out there. Jenny and I wrote a report called Resolving Tax Problems, The Real Solutions. covers every aspect of tax problems that we've been talking about on the shows. How to save your home from foreclosure, business formations, loans and grants for small businesses in Detroit and Michigan. And Pat Samasco has a report, Retiree's Guide for, uh, for Social Security. We've got a couple, and I want to thank our sponsors, Thav Gross, Kirshner Law, Samasco Law, Corey Silverstein Law. We got about half a minute left. All right, so the whole key to budget management is changing the satisfaction component. I agree wholeheartedly with what Brian says in terms of not thinking of it as belt tightening. You see a lot of belt tightening people, they say, just find the money. You can't just find the money. You got to change the perspective. But it's a two step plan. Step one is get rid of the debt. Number two is budget management. That saves you even more money. Have a great week. We'll be back next week with Law and Reality. Thanks for tuning in.